0: You have all the stuff pulled up, mm-hmm. all the stats, all the facts, all the figures. Yep. Got it. it feels like a, here. I feel like we're on ESPN. I know. Like
1: <laughs> Get your cue cards ready.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Ride Home Podcast. My name is Abby. Hey, this is Caitlin. We are here for round two of Barbenheimer, mm-hmm. and this time it is the Oppenheimer portion. Of Barbenheimer. It is. I wanted to gauge, because I don't think I ever actually asked you. I think it was just, like, assumed that when Barbenheimer was picking up steam, that we would see both of them regardless. Mm-hmm. And I never actually asked you, did you want to see Oppenheimer? Yes. You did. Okay. I did. No, I definitely I, did. I literally just, like, booked the tickets, <laughs> because I was like, oh, well, we're no. going.
1: No, I definitely did. It, I... Really like Chris Nolan's work. Uh-huh. And even though I would not normally be interested in a historical biopic. Mm-hmm. Of this nature, as it pertains to politics and, I was gonna bombing. say if it's Elvis, sign you up. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it, it. Of course, depends on the brand of biopic, right. but right. something like this that's very heavily steeped in military and combat and yeah. science and not usually my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cast definitely piqued my interest. You. and Chris Nolan. Like I said, I really enjoy. You're on it. a first name
0: basis with him. You're on a nickname basis listen, with him. Listen, listen.
1: <laughs> I've been watching a lot of TikToks uh-huh. of interviews of the cast of Oppenheimer, and they all refer to him as Chris Nolan. <laughs> so I feel like <laughs> I also can call him Chris <laughs> Nolan. You guys are really close. It's really just because I keep seeing it on my For You page on okay. TikTok. It's not like... <laughs> I don't assume first date basis with him. <laughs> it's just maybe you do. I just didn't. We just didn't know. Not really, but yes, I did want okay. to see Oppenheimer. I think I was probably more excited to see Barbie, mm-hmm. but definitely did want to see Oppenheimer. I felt like just how everyone was talking about it, the buzz. Like mm-hmm. it was just like very interested to see what the hype was about, right? I think for me shockingly
0: Oppenheimer wasn't something that I was like desperate to see
1: mm-hmm.
0: I think I wanted to see it because mm-hmm. I think I've seen everything Florence Pugh is in and so sure. I was like "Ooh, she's in it yeah and as the days got closer to Barbenheimer weekend I looked at Christopher Nolan Chris Nolan yeah. I look at Chris Nolan we call him Chris <laughs> yeah I looked at chris's imdb page and i didn't realize i'm a huge christopher nolan (laughs) right and i didn't even like realize it because Mm -hmm. i was going through and i was like i fucking adore inception i Mm -hmm. adore the prestige i adore the dark knight Mm -hmm. and then i like the other ones that i've seen like Mm -hmm. i like all the other batmans i liked Mm tenant and i was just like wait a second like he doesn't miss He really, rarely does. And I haven't seen Interstellar because Mm. fun fact about me, Mm -hmm. I have anxiety. Mm -hmm. And one of my triggers is space and time. Mm -hmm. And if it really goes too deep into space and time, I can start to spiral. Mm -hmm. And when Interstellar came out, I was told by not only you, Mm -hmm. but I was told by you and like every other person in my life that saw it, Mm-hmm. to like avoid it mm-hmm. but i know a lot of people love that movie too yeah. so i trust that it's also very good
1: interstellar was great if you're not afraid of
0: space and time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so turns out i'm a christopher nolan fan apparently and then obviously as the reviews came out for barbie and oppenheimer and and we saw the buzz that Oppenheimer was getting mm-hmm. I was so like internally upset that we waited for Saturday because I was I just know. like oh my god I need to go see it. <laughs>
1: I know I know I was too but I think I know a lot of people were talking about doing a double feature mm-hmm. I don't know that I could have done that. no I don't think I could sit in the theater for five hours
0: not only is it about sitting but I feel like you couldn't process each movie yeah in the ways that they needed to be mm-hmm. i know a lot of people were saying like you should go see oppenheimer and then you'll need a good laugh so go see barbie but i really mm. think that after oppenheimer you just jumping into barbie land would be a really like it would be like an ice bath
1: yeah like it would be incredibly shocking tonally <laughs> it would <laughs> it would definitely be shocking tonally. I also just feel like you need to have a little bit of breathing room after Oppenheimer. Mm -hmm. I feel like you have to kind of sit with it a little Mm -hmm. bit and kind of like marinate in it, kind of let it all process, let it all sit with you for a little bit. And I absolutely agree. I think going straight into Barbie would be about the worst thing (laughs) to do. I feel like it would just be uh i wouldn't recommend it no no i
0: I really think that it would just shock your brain completely Mm -hmm. before we get into the review of -hmm. what we thought of oppenheimer i just want to quickly say that this is obviously it's not a hundred percent historical it's not like everything that happened in this movie Mm -hmm. happened but it is a biopic and we know what happened we know they made the atomic bomb Mm -hmm. we know they dropped it yeah so there's no spoilers here right so uh this will be a completely free and open episode with potentially minor spoilers however you look at it sure. so just a warning there would you mind giving us
1: a synopsis of oppenheimer i would not mind at all during world war ii lieutenant general leslie groves jr appoints physicist j robert oppenheimer to work on the top secret manhattan project Oppenheimer and a team of scientists spend years developing and designing the atomic bomb. Their work comes to fruition on July 16th, 1945, as they witness the world's first nuclear explosion, forever changing the course of history. It stars Killian Murphy, Florence Pugh, Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, and... The rest of Hollywood.
0: <laughs> Every single person. Minus who's the ever people been... who were in the
1: Barbie movie because they were working on the Barbie yeah. movie. But basically everyone else in Hollywood. <laughs> only men, but all uh, of the men. All of the men in Hollywood, including oh, Bernard and, the Elf oh, oh from Santa Claus. <laughs> yes. We can't leave him out. Not only is Bernard the Elf
0: from the Santa Claus in this but also like four previous Nickelodeon stars are in it. Yes. Like the, the I think his name is Nick Wolf, I wanna say. Uh-huh. And he was in Hereditary. He was in oh, it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And Josh Peck yes. was the one that detonated the first atomic <laughs> <Yes>. bomb. <laughs> Josh Peck from Drake and Josh Dude, was the one who uh, detonated the atomic Absolutely bombs. insane. So it was a massive mm-hmm. cast and it just felt like you were just being like, oh my God, he's famous. Oh my God, he's famous. Oh my yeah. God, he's famous. But I did remember there is another uh, woman and I don't want to just like forget about her. Olivia Thirlby. Is oh that how yeah. You say her name? Mm-hmm. She was in it too. Yeah. Um, and we were very happy to Love see her. her because when she came on screen, we were like, oh my God, we haven't seen her yeah. in a while. Yeah. So huge cast. Huge. Huge everything. yeah um it was shot on 70 millimeter IMAX film which we saw in an RPX so not even close to the IMAX situation so big cast big film big everything Mm -hmm. big expectations
1: big expectations did they live up to them I feel like I had big expectations but I didn't really know what my expectations were mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, yeah. Like I was expecting it to be good and that was about it. Like I was expecting it to be better than Barbie because I know we were not comparing it but I feel like that's kind of the general mood has just been like oh it's a better film than Barbie. <laughs> right, right. So like I was expecting it to be like Cinematically, a better experience, I guess. And the Rotten Tomatoes score, which obviously that's not an, a complete science, but no. it was definitely higher. It was definitely higher. So I feel like I honestly had less specific expectations for Oppenheimer. Absolutely. Because. I really didn't know what I was getting into yeah you know what I mean but I was expecting it to be good
0: I'm gonna say something before you get into it I think both of us had higher expectations for Barbie yeah which may have been a problem and may have been why we found so many
1: issues <laughs> Agreed. with it.
0: but I feel like both of us were like our expectations were like oh my god Barbie oh my god Barbie yeah. oh my god Barbie and Oppenheimer was just like it's probably gonna be good yeah I feel like it's gonna be, it has to be good right but then like As it was released, everybody was freaking out so much Mm -hmm. that we were going into it like, does this live up to everybody else's? That's the thing. I was
1: like, what's going to happen? Like, why is it so good? Like, why are people flipping out? Right. Well, I'm here to tell you, I understand why people are flipping out. (laughs) Literally, as soon as we got in the car, mind you, Abby and I try really hard not to say anything to each other about a movie Mm -hmm. until we record. Which we can't record during the summer in the car because we
0: can't run the AC. (laughs) Right. So we have to go the whole... We have to go the whole ride home in silence.
1: Yes. Which is very difficult. Yeah. Particularly difficult with this one. So as soon as we got in the car, I was like, I just have to say this one thing and I'll say it again on the podcast. (laughs) That was a masterpiece. Yep. And... For me to be saying that, I feel like is even higher praise than people understand. (laughs) Yeah. No. Because Mm A, I have ADHD and I sat and watched something for three hours long and did nothing else. Correct. Which is difficult in and of itself, Mm -hmm. regardless of the subject matter. B, I'm saying this about a film that is presenting content that is relatively uninteresting to you completely uninteresting (laughs) to me. (laughs) Like this out of all the genres, this is like the last genre Caitlin would want to see. Literally the (laughs) last. Honestly and truly the last. I mean, I just it's not interesting to me. It usually is boring for me. It's usually something that I I feel like it makes me feel stupid sometimes Mm. because I don't always feel like I have a really good handle on the ins and outs of the political aspects Uh or the military aspects or the science aspects like I feel like because it's not interesting to me these are not subjects that I've studied or read Mm -hmm. about a lot and so I feel like it's very easy for me to feel kind of dense and feel also very lost Mm -hmm. and I did not feel that at all in this movie he threw in a lot of like non-military non-science stuff like more personality and character development mm. in between all of those things that yeah. I feel like it helped me stay with it yeah more and it wasn't just the story of how they developed the atomic bomb there were all these other layers woven in and out of that mm-hmm. and I was a little worried about like shifting from past and present and future and all yeah, of those yeah, things yeah yeah mm-hmm. But I don't know how he managed to do it. But he kept my attention. He didn't lose me. And I fucking love this movie. (laughs) So that's where I'm at with that.
0: Well, I'm so happy that you love this. Because I know you could tell from just my face. (laughs) And like, literally when we got in the car, I had this weird reaction where my eyes started welling up. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sad. Right. I wasn't like, cry- I w- it was a very weird like body reaction mm-hmm. where I could tell my body was doing something that I wasn't in control of mm-hmm. and my eyes were welling up and it kind of reminds me of like when your cheeks turn red, like mm-hmm. it was just this like involuntary thing and I feel like it was because my adrenaline was so high mm-hmm. for three hours that when I finally got out and sat down in a blazing hot car. <laughs> And was sitting in silence with you, literally silence. We didn't even turn yeah. on the radio. Mm-hmm. It like hit me and my eyes were welled up. And I was like, oh my God, what's happening to me right now? And I literally yeah. looked at you like I was like, what's happening? To
1: me? Yeah, it was crazy. And I think <laughs> I'm not a crier. So this no. is like a weird reaction for me to be having (laughs) it is a weird reaction for you to be having and I feel like what you just described is what happens to me when I get fear tears yeah because I think my fear tears are very adrenaline based and Mm -hmm. cortisol based so I think you're on to something with that I think the build up of those three hours of the tension and the sensory overload the heft the weight of all of the subject matter that we watched like I think it was like very interesting to see you have that reaction because I like, and so, like you said, you felt it in your body. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I feel like when I get fear tears. Like, it's yeah. like uncontrollable. I can't really explain how I feel, but it's just like welling up. <laughs> my body is having some sort of an emotional, <laughs> chemical reaction to whatever I just saw yeah and the effects of this movie this is why I said earlier I don't think you should go see anything after this let alone Barbie (laughs) the effects of this movie stick with you even after it's
0: over yeah this is going to be one of my dramatic Abby statements but I I said this actually to a couple of my friends when I texted them after the movie that might be the best ending to a movie I've ever seen Mm. and so when I was in that ending and just that last scene between him and Einstein Mm -hmm. and feeling the weight of everything Mm -hmm. I felt all of those feelings of like guilt Mm -hmm. and dread Mm -hmm. and the what ifs and the did they do the right thing mm-hmm. did they fuck did the they entire fu- world up <laughs> yeah did like- <laughs> they are they gonna end the, you know and so I think I felt like Christopher Nolan and especially and I think you'll agree with me Killian Murphy mm. delivered a movie and a performance that was one of the most visceral expositions of guilt mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. ever seen yeah, and as two people who were raised Catholic, I'm crying. Yeah, <laughs> and as two people who were raised Catholic, we were very familiar with guilt. Yeah, but like not even close to this extent. No, and so uh, just the knowledge that a man who, despite his faults, despite maybe an ego, you know, a womanizer, whatever the things that he sure. was, everybody has their faults. Sure. At the end of the day, he was just a scientist, mm-hmm. and. He was just excited about this new thing. The
1: possibility. And the possibility. Of creating the first of this kind. Yeah, I mean,
0: of course he was excited about that. And so I think just the excitement of the science and like, oh my God, like this is what we're developing. And then. But also the terror. Right. (laughs) But I don't (laughs) think it really set in for them until after. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe it was. You know, I obviously wasn't there. And based on the movie, you can kind of see it like start to sink in when Mm -hmm. they're getting closer and closer to the test, the Mm -hmm. Trinity test. Mm -hmm. But I do know from a just a basic understanding of Oppenheimer as a person, he did feel incredibly guilty about Mm -hmm. Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Mm -hmm. And so I thought Christopher Nolan and again, Killian Murphy did such an excellent job that honestly it was fun and interesting watching this like group of scientists like figuring stuff out together and you know this race for time kind of situation sure. it was almost like the avengers of like scientists where it was yes. like yes einstein's there neil Bors is there and, right you know and there's these names that you recognize mm-hmm. and you're just like oh my god like he's here he's there i didn't yeah. know he was a part of that that's right. crazy but there was this moment that shifted as We were leading up to the Trinity test, and Mm -hmm. it was actually a moment where we saw Oppenheimer, like, feel guilt for the first time Mm -hmm. about it. And from that moment to the Trinity test, to the rest of the hearings with, I don't know his first name, but Strauss... Uh-huh, and throughout to the very end, that was maybe the best hour and a half two hours I have ever seen
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> of a movie. so like the first half was like all well and good, and it was like a good movie, sure. like a like a b plus mm-hmm. The rest of it was just incredible, mm-hmm. out of control, insane, so I am going to completely agree with you and label mm-hmm. this a masterpiece in my mind,
1: and like you said it's it's not just. Christopher Nolan that made it a masterpiece Killian Murphy's performance is quite possibly one of the best performances I've seen yeah every time I think about him I start tearing up if he
0: doesn't get an Oscar for this I'm gonna like flip a table I'm
1: gonna lose my shit if he doesn't get the Oscar for this
0: speaking of Oscars quickly I'm just gonna say I think Robert Downey Jr. is gonna get a nomination oh I think Emily Blunt is gonna get a nomination Mm -hmm. I think Killian Murphy is going to get a nomination. Yeah. Whether those others two win or not, I don't know. But Killian Murphy better fucking win. He better get the Oscar <laughs>
1: because he deserves it. Yeah. And the poor man only ate almonds every day <laughs> and like didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, put himself through a lot to do this performance. Yeah. And it paid off, obviously. And... Like you said, Emily Blunt gave an amazing performance. The one scene of her in the hearing. Jesus. In like the closed door hearing, Uh not like a big hearing.
0: And in that closed door hearing, I was like, you know, I like Emily Blunt. Mm -hmm. I like her a lot as a person. I've like met her in person. She's a very nice human being. Mm -hmm. And I've just never seen her in something that I have thought like, wow, what a great actress. Sure. She's just, you know, She's she's okay. She's good. Yeah. And in this, I was like, holy shit emily Mm -hmm. like what were you holding back like she better get a lot of offers after this for some much better roles because i was very surprised at how strong of a performance she gave
1: also same with robert downey jr yeah no absolutely because uh, in my head he's just iron Iron man Man. (laughs) and (laughs) like that's not like Any sort of award-winning performance. I mean, he's funny and he's charming and I love him as Iron Man. Yeah. But I can't say that I've ever seen him in anything either where I was like, damn, okay, pop off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like this, he was completely elevated in this movie. Mm -hmm. And obviously we have to like nod all of that to Christopher Nolan because I think he was able to accomplish so much with so many people in this film that it's almost like hard to wrap my brain around how he made this happen. There's not a bad performance in the book. There isn't. What's crazy too is that like Albert Einstein
0: just looks like Albert Einstein. Yeah. He just looks like he's like he cast the real Albert Einstein.
1: (laughs) He brought him back to life for this movie.
0: I do know a little tidbit that I shared with you actually I think before we saw the movie which was Christopher Nolan filmed this in a completely, quote-unquote, analog setting, which means it was just the lighting team would come in, they would light the set, they would run all their tests, they would balance everything, whatever, and then they would start shooting. And when they would start shooting, it was just Christopher Nolan, the camera operator, and the audio ops. Mm. And they did not have a video village, which is a feed that goes to... Multiple cameras so that everybody can sit there and watch. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were like producers on set. But sure. it was a much more closed set. Mm-hmm. And there weren't hundreds of people watching you from the from the wings. Mm-hmm. And I think they filmed in a lot of natural settings. So like actual rooms instead of like a stage. Mm-hmm. Built to look like a room. Sure. And so I feel like that atmosphere would allow any actor... To give a much more in tune mm, mm-hmm. performance because there's no distraction, and for right. somebody like Robert Downey Jr., he's been literally acting in front of a green screen for the past fifteen years. Right. <laughs> so right, and Emily Blunt too. I mean, she's been in a mostly like Mary Poppins and the I don't know, the, what, the Jungle Boat, Jungle Cruise, or Jungle something? Cruise. Yeah. And so she's probably been in front of a green screen for the past Mm -hmm. couple of years. And so for them to just be able to act in like this really raw and true form of acting, Mm -hmm. it felt like it just like opened up this like new side of all of these people. Yeah. And like we knew Killian Murphy and we knew like Florence Pugh are... like
1: we already knew we knew they They were great (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) but even them i mean even they were stunning in only a way that this movie could really accomplish and i think i just agree with you entirely that from an acting perspective Mm -hmm. and from a direction perspective of
1: the actors Mm -hmm. this was a 10 out of 10 this was insane and i think you're right about the setting being what it was because they all felt so natural. Mm-hmm. They all felt so grounded and, like yeah. you said, in tune with their characters. Yeah. Like they felt like they all sort of became their characters. You could just tell that somebody gave them the space to be them. Yeah. <laughs> and like somebody gave them the, Christopher Nolan, somebody gave them the yeah. space to absolutely go for it. Yeah. And they all went for it. You know how we were talking
0: after Barbie about how this is the year of like directors going like a step too far. Uh I feel like this is Christopher Nolan being like max level Christopher Nolan, Mm -hmm. but without going too far. I was going to say he
1: (laughs) found the sweet spot. He found the sweet spot. He, he elevated himself as well because I will say, I think this film is better than any of his other films. Oh, by far. Yeah. But he elevated himself without taking it too far. And he pushed the limits with it being a three-hour movie about something so heavy and so, like, meta. You know what I mean? Like, the whole thing. He absolutely pushed it, but he somehow fucking managed to make it work.
0: He somehow managed to finally work out the kinks of telling time differences Mm -hmm. also, because obviously (laughs) in Memento and in Inception and in Tenant. There's a common theme there Mm -hmm. that he likes to play with time. Sure. And Interstellar, I haven't seen it, but you know, he loves to play with time. And I felt like this was he's like finally understood like, okay, this is this is what like caught people up in the other ones. And tenant, I know a lot of people don't like tenant and they thought it was a little bit of like a trip up and maybe he learned from that that sure. he was like okay like i really need to actually focus on not just what's going on in my brain but how it's going to translate to a screen mm-hmm. because i feel like he could get a little full of himself yeah. and i think tenant might have been him being a little full of mm-hmm. himself i still enjoyed it but i did too I think that was kind of his, like, stumble. Mm -hmm. And with this, I feel like he figured out not only the kinks of playing with time, but he also figured out how to actually direct actors Mm -hmm. in a real meaningful way. Even though I've loved Christopher Nolan's films, there isn't a character that I would, like, point out as, like, he was so good or she was so good. It was just kind of these mega casts that were all just kind of telling a really fun exciting story mm-hmm. and so it was good just because of that
1: i will say though killian murphy was fucking terrifying as scarecrow yeah he was <laughs> <laughs> yeah that is something that like lasts with me my entire life yeah <laughs> yeah and he
0: fledger obviously yeah of course yeah. so he knows how to direct a, a villain that's for Definitely. sure but i think he figured out character development and characters and i also feel like he figured out dialogue a little bit better i think so too i thinking back on christopher nolan films i feel like he was a little cheesy at
1: times a little mm-hmm. A little clunky a little clunky and like I, a little bit of a tryhard. yeah mm-hmm.
0: and this really felt like a much more thought out script there were like a couple of lines here and there that i was like "Eh, that could have been reworked or they could have played around with that a little bit more i'm gonna say that i still don't think he knows how to write women super well Mm -mm. he never has he tried a little bit better in this one i think emily blunt's character is really good for christopher nolan (laughs) standards yeah florence Pugh, unfortunately even (laughs) though she gave like a wonderful performance falls into that Christopher Nolan kind of trend where the woman is kind of like a tool for the man to discover something about Mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. And I think Florence Pugh's character was just like showing us that Oppenheimer wasn't just this emotionalist, scientist and that he actually was capable of feeling guilt because I feel like if we had gone into the second half of the movie without showing that kink in his armor and Mm -hmm. having that soft spot for someone and feeling guilt over what happened with Mm -hmm. her, then the guilt about the bomb and everything else would have felt, it would have felt out of place. Yeah. So unfortunately, even though it works and it's like a good moment that really turns the tide for Mm -hmm. Oppenheimer. But Florence Pugh's character, unfortunately, is just a tool to get Oppenheimer there. And so even if this is what we consider a masterpiece, I am going to say that Christopher Nolan could still have a couple of women on his team going through his scripts and helping him out because he clearly does not know how to write women very well. Not very well. Did you have any other critiques or hang-ups or anything?
1: The only thing that I had a hang-up about, Mm -hmm. I no longer have a hang-up about because I Googled it and now I know (laughs) what the reason was. So initially when the film was rolling, I thought that the play between black and white and color was going to be like black and white was the past and color was the present. Which is standard. Yeah. Yeah. Would make sense easy. Yeah. Well it's Christopher Nolan, so nothing makes sense right away. So that's not what he did. And I learned that he was not playing with the color changes to portray time. It was to convey perspectives. Mm. So anything that was shot in black and white or was in black and white was to be in like the narrative third person. Like he's doing this, they're doing that, like Mm -hmm. all those things anything that was in color was to be in the first person. So I thought that was really cool because yeah. when you know that after the fact, mm-hmm. like it kind of helps put everything together and it helps because like I said earlier, I wasn't confused. I didn't get lost, but there were some things where I was like, wait, well, I it in black and white now. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like there, yeah. I was a little bit confused about why we were jumping back and forth from those if it wasn't past and present like what is it for and so knowing that now like that makes a lot of sense yeah there were times where like well why are they here now and why is he here so Mm -hmm. it was a little bit tough at times to kind of keep track of it all and like the timelines but ultimately it comes together so well that it really doesn't fucking matter and like (laughs) (laughs) it's just one of those things that you just have to not get hung up on it and it's crazy for me to be saying that because I feel like in a normal scenario, that would be something that I would have gotten really hung up on. Mm-hmm. And this movie was so special that it was like, I'm going to show up for Christopher Nolan today and I'm going to do my Chris. homework. I'm going to show up for Chris and I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to know. Mm-hmm. Another reason why I think I did put in so much work is because NPR scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I read an article about Barbie and Oppenheimer before we saw Oppenheimer. So it was after we saw Barbie, before we saw Oppenheimer. There were no spoilers. So that's why I read the article. Mm -hmm. They said something about how Oppenheimer was going to be confusing for people because it was going to have acronyms mm, and mm-hmm. a lot of names and a lot of science science and terms yeah. and things. So I was like attentive before we even got there because I was like I'm not going to get confused by Christopher Nolan. Teacher's pet. Yeah. Basically. Teacher's pet in that theater. Yeah. <laughs> basically.
0: I also think that that was the fastest 3 hours of my life. Yeah. I know some people that might not hold their attention quite like it mm-hmm. held ours, but it held mine a hundred percent of the time and it just flew by. Yeah, And I think a large part of it was the sound design. Mm-hmm. The sound design, like, I, has to win an Oscar unless some other movie comes along this year that's like b- mind blowing. Right. <laughs> but I thought every bit of the soundtrack, which I thought was m- like a masterpiece of a soundtrack, mm-hmm. it was one of the better soundtracks I've heard in a very long time. Right. That soundtrack and the sound design just held your attention in a way that kind of like, how I said completely different genres, but with talk to me mm-hmm. where that that sound design that just grips you and it literally like yanks you into the movie yeah. and keeps you there and doesn't let you leave. Mm-hmm.
1: And I was just locked in the, yeah. whole, the whole time. No, I was too. I mean, it's like you're in this vortex of sound yeah. and motion and visuals and and emotions and it was just unlike anything i have experienced in a very long time at the movies before
0: we wrap this up i just need to say that even though i proclaimed that this might be one of my favorite endings of all time Mm -hmm. the ending thing i'm like vacillating on like is it like one of the best is it not like whatever Mm -hmm. there is a scene in this movie that is in my top five favorite movie scenes of all time okay and it is the gymnasium scene Mm. when Oppenheimer is delivering a speech Mm -hmm. shortly after the bombs are dropped. Mm -hmm. The cinematography, the effects that they used to represent his guilt and anxiety that were very simple. It was just the lack of focus and Mm -hmm. that like kind of jerky jumping behind him that, you know, you could feel what he was feeling. You could feel rattled. (laughs) But the sound design of that scene the effects of that scene, Mm -hmm. the acting in that scene, the music in that scene, Mm -hmm. the content of that scene, all together. After it ended, I literally went... Yeah. Like I had to exhale after that Mm -hmm. because what I said before earlier in this episode, it was the most, and that scene was the most, Mm -hmm. it was the most visceral exposition of guilt and everything that comes with that guilt sure. in one scene and I that in that scene in and of itself is a masterpiece to it me. really is yeah And so I think we can both agree we can <laughs> what the popcorn score is for this movie we can agree large popcorn it's a large popcorn best movie so far this year
1: best movie so far this year
0: I'm excited to see what this does during Oscar season me too I'm very
1: excited to see I want a clean sweep don't disappoint me Oh boys are going to war <laughs>
0: That does it for us. Mm -hmm. If we can say anything, go see Oppenheimer. Go see Oppenheimer.
1: Please see it in theaters. (laughs) If you can see it in RPX. Please. Or or IMAX. anything. Any sort of elevated viewing experience, we do recommend. We
0: will not be back next week. Okay. But you will have an episode to listen to if you go to the movies. Because on the 28th, talk to me has its wide release mm-hmm. and we already dropped the episode we will post it again after it gets released i cannot express to you guys if you are a horror fan please go see this movie please and then check in with us talk to us talk to me talk to <laughs> us, talk to us. <laughs> <laughs> so we will repost that and then i'll let you guys know what our next episode is on instagram so until then have a good week everyone we'll see you next time thanks for
1: joining us on the ride home